everybody out there in podcast land. This is Severin Henderson again for another episode of Department 3C Presents, a podcast. Um, today, I have a guest who is into chaplaincy, and that's where we're going to talk about faith, religion, um, how to deal with different issues in your first responder career. I have um, Dan Person that Sings. Yep. Paris, Persinger. Persinger, yep. Okay. And we're going to talk about his life, his story. Like I said, chaplaincy is w- what he's into. And we're going to dive into all those subjects today. So without any further ado, Dan, can you introduce yourself? Yeah. Thanks for having me today, Seb. Um, Dan Persinger, uh, born and raised in Rockford, Illinois, and uh, been in the fire service probably about 10 plus years now, doing different uh, things doing ride-alongs d- through Boy Scouts, and then doing ride-alongs through Rockford Fire Department and the Chicago Fire Department. Okay, so let's let's talk about how you got involved with fire department stuff in the first place. Um, what what was your driving force to kind of get going with the fire department? Yeah, my driving force was watching the TV show Emergency, the '70s show from. Uh, emergency and just seeing the fire trucks like that is what I want to do. That's what I. That's what I want to do for my my career. Now you are a pretty young guy. How did you see that show Emergency? Beautiful thing called reruns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it comes on like um UTV now. I still see it every now and then. So yeah. and they they had like the pack they called out had to call people on the phone or call the hospital to get yeah. the orders for everything. Biophones and everything. I even got these beautiful things on DVD. Oh my goodness! So yeah, you really into it? That's <laughs> oh yeah. Nothing wrong with that. That's what's up. No. Um. So like I said, you started off. You saw emergency. You said, "Hey, I want to do that. I want to go in that direction." Mm-hmm. And let's talk about what kept going. For, well, you know what? Before I get there, the reason we have you on um, because of, yeah, a the chaplaincy, but b you had um, medical condition in your life that happened that kind of prevented you from going all the way in um, with the fire department. So we yeah. don't want to skip over that or brush over that. We're going to talk about that and get into that as well. Yeah. But um. So tell me what happened leading up. Like you were an explorer and things like that. What 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 issues came with that? Um, so it was mainly the walking issues. So as other people would say, I kind of walked like a, a deer or Bambi. So okay. that's actually one of my nicknames in the fire service is Bambi. Bambi, okay. Yeah. So it, it was they, they were making a joke out of it, and then I was diagnosed with muscular dystrophy, and then... I told them I was diagnosed, so kind of put in the guilt trip, did trip they, a little bit. Did they feel bad about it oh, after? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, this story is it's still great, and it's funny that Drew Helzer and I, we, we get a good kick out of it every time. Okay. So it went from Bambi to now it's something else. Yeah. Okay. So you got diagnosed with muscular dystrophy. When did that happen? Yeah, I was uh, Diagnosed July 5th of 2012, so going into my senior year of high school. Okay, so you were getting ready to be a senior, just starting off, kind of knew what you wanted to do, and then, bam, here this comes. Yeah, so leading up to that, just kind of backtrack just a little bit. So always had the walking issues, just something different was going on with me, just a little different, but then then we finally figured out that it was muscular dystrophy that was the weird thing about me. Okay, now you said something different. Can you explain that to me a little better? Yeah, so like an a- average person walking, uh-huh. th- their normal walking. Mine was just a little bit different. Always had a little bounce to myself. Okay. O- always walked on my toes. Okay, okay. All right, I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And so it hit you then. When you were in high school, like what else were you doing? Were you like participating in any sports, any activities? Like, how big of a blow was that for you to just all of a sudden say, hey, yeah, you you got muscular dystrophy? Mm-hmm. So the the fact that they said I had muscular dystrophy and that the doctor said I can't be a firefighter is like, oh, geez, thanks for telling me something that I didn't want to hear that. Mm-hmm. I, nobody ever wants to hear a diagnosis, you know? Right. So in high school, middle school and high school, I, I was involved in sports, extracurricular. I played in the marching band. I was a competitive swimmer. Mm-hmm. which I, I loved doing that. That, mm-hmm. was, that was fun for me to do. And it was good therapeutic also. Right. Now, I know before we were talking about you in the water, you said you was like in there like a fish. I was asking for some some tips and tricks. Yeah. 
and you like I I still be I smoke you in the water. I'll smoke you in the water. <laughs> you, you, you'll, you'll be you won't I, I, you'll be eating my bubbles. <laughs> Have you ever just thought about the word bubble? That's a fun word to say. Just say bubble. Bubble. Yeah, it, it's bubble. And, <laughs> and we're in the right place to say it. We can say it into these microphones. So you were you had those issues. You were swim. Well, you were doing extra correct extracurriculars, and, mm-hmm. and then it just kind of hit you. How did you deal with that? Other than just oh man, this is a bummer. How did you feel? My heart just sank. You know, it, come come to think of it, now that I'm more mature and more years on me, it's that was a big heartbreak right there. Right, I can understand Saying, that because I had always been I'd been involved doing ride alongs for years for a couple years. And then being involved in the explorers through fire departments in the Rockford area, mm-hmm. it's like this is what I was planning on doing, and then it's just taken away from me, mm-hmm. just completely taken away from me. Mm-hmm. So it's it it just I, like I said, just worse than just the down. And I'm not trying to put you back in a down spot, but yeah, no. it seems so much like you are able to talk about it and discuss it now, and like you don't have any problems or any issues. How did you get to that point where it's just so natural? Like you were saying, people was making jokes, and now the jokes are funny. How did you get there? Yeah. So the the biggest thing is when it comes to any type of medical um, condition, and. and I've learned this through doing my chaplaincy work that we've talked about before, mm-hmm. and it's the word forgiveness. Okay. Forgiving the disease. Okay. That's that's interesting. That's something I never heard, forgiving the disease. That's, yeah. that's, that's interesting, and I think that's something that people don't get to do. Yeah. So after taking time to, to process it all and then try to put in that, the positive mindset that, hey, you have this play your cards correctly and you'll live a happy life, even with muscular dystrophy. And I love talking about my, my story because it's my story and it helps me process it even more okay. on a deeper level. I, I, I got you. And I think that's what a lot of people need to do more. Like we have issues, we have problems, and sometimes we try and hide them or put them away. But it sounds like what you're saying is it's just better to get it out, talk, yeah. say something. It's better to get it out and... Also acknowledging it's okay to not be okay. It's, I love that too. It's okay to not be okay. So those are both great points of advice from a from a young man that has some things figured out. Now, when we were talking before, I made the mistake of calling it MS, and you corrected me mm-hmm. like you were supposed to. You said, no, it's muscular dystrophy. Um, for anybody else that may be confused, such as myself, what what's the what Explain to us what muscular dystrophy is and what's the difference between it and other diseases or not the other issues. I, I might be even calling it the wrong thing. So yeah. give me the whole education and the listeners as well so that we can be up, up to par. Yeah, absolutely. So muscular dystrophy is, it is a neurological disease that attacks the muscles in your body. So there's over 40 different types, and within those types there's multiple subtypes. So with me, I'm, I've been put into the limb girdle muscular dystrophy. Okay. So basically from my hips down is where my weakness is from. And for other people, it affects other parts of the body, upper, lower, mid-body, the facial area. Mm-hmm. So there's m- multiple ways of or forms of muscular dystrophy. I just happen to get the, from the lower, the hips down. Okay. And... Kind of like how I kind of uh, explained it to you, corrected you on the the MS and MD, just for other people to realize is that MS and MD, they're two separate diseases. MD is muscular dystrophy, so that's the muscles. And muscular sclerosis, MS, that is more the, the nervous system. Okay. All right, so people can look at that a little more. Like I said, that was my mistake. Thank you for educating us on that. Yeah. Appreciate that. Um, as far as... The diagnosis, did you have any family history or anybody else along the line have muscular dystrophy? No, not, not nothing in my family. Nothing in your family. So it just kind of came out of anywhere I got or it. nowhere. Yeah, it came out of nowhere. I'm the eye duck of the family. Nah, and I'm, I'm proud to acknowledge that I'm the eye duck. Okay, I'm with that. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, yeah, you said you, your dad, your mom, you got a brother too, right? Yeah. Okay. And so nobody else, no aunts, no uncles, anything like that? Mm-mm. Okay, well, cool. Um, let's talk about 
the fact that your ride time and how you were riding in the Explorers program. And yeah. you started off in Rockford, right? Yeah. So Rockford. give me a breakdown of how that went. Mm-hmm. So how I actually kind of got into that was thanks to my swim coach, Deb Carlson. And one of her family members was part of the Rockford Fire Department, and she knew that I wanted to do firefighting as a career. So she helped get a connection through the fire department. They got me set up to ride and then jump forward a few years. So that was going into my freshman year of high school. Mm-hmm. So just the, the weekend before, actually, of going into my freshman year of high school, I was able to do a ride-along. And did I ever tell you my first call? No, let, let's hear it. It was a fire. <laughs> Your first call was a fire? Yeah. Okay. Although it, it was just uh, more what Chicago says, like a pot of meat. But, oh, okay. But, hey, it was still a fire. They still had a little bit of smoke, so I was like, all hey, right, it's a fire. Yeah, you can you can count that. I'm yeah. with that. Fire, smoke, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we were on scene, just and then we left. But uh, so jump forward a few years later, I was doing my Eagle Scout project, and my Eagle Scout project was a memorial honoring firefighters. And they, they let me rile on it afterwards. And I, I never expected for them just to say, hey, you helped out a lot. You, you're, you can ride whenever you want to. Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. So dude. it was kind of cool. Never expected that to come out of, out of that situation. Yeah. Firefighters were pretty cool sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes. Then, then other times, ooh. <laughs> it's something else. Yeah. It's something else. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's awesome. So uh, your journey was from Rockford County in the Explorers program. And for anybody, I mean, this is a first responder show, and most people know what the Explorers program is. But mm-hmm. for those that don't, could you explain what an Explorer program is? Yeah. So Explorer program, it's actually through the Boy Scouts of America, and there's multiple different forms of Explorers out there. There's Sea explorers, there's mechanic explorers, and you pick a kind of a career and you just explore that career. So, as a for a fire, you explore the fire service. You get to get uh, turnout gear, put the packs on, jump on the trucks, and train with the guys. What ages does this start at? I believe fourteen or fifteen. Fourteen or fifteen. Okay. That 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 sounds awesome. I we I'm sure we had an explorer pro, explorers program, but I just kind of started hanging out at the firehouse. That's just what I did. Man. Yeah, yeah. And the guy who actually hired me—that's what he did from when he was a little little kid. Like the whole neighborhood knew him for just going and hanging out at the firehouse. So, mm-hmm. um, and those stories are awesome too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they're really cool. But, so tell me some more about your Explorer background and kind of what else got going out there in Rockford. Mm-hmm. So doing those uh, the programs, you tr- I, I truly embraced it. it. As any job, you should be able to embrace it. The fire service, I, I, I took hold of that, and I just ran with it. I, I love it. it. To me, it is the best damn job in the world. Okay, I'm with that. Hey, that's what we say all the time, too. It's the best job in the world. Yeah. And, and then on top of that, we had one of my instructors, when I was in the academy, he would say, the best job in the world, to me. He said, because to me, it is, but to you, it might not be. Yeah. Because some of the people, they just, you know, wasn't picking up on things. But said, mm-hmm. to me, you can go do whatever else you want to do. So, uh you're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. To me, to me, it's the best job in the world. Okay. So tell me, obviously you got to the point where um, walking became difficult. You couldn't be a firefighter and you mm-hmm. moved into the chaplaincy. How did that come about? Yeah. So beautiful thing called the internet, just kind of cruising around there and came across uh, the Illinois Corps of Fire Chaplains. Okay. And that's how I, I saw them and called them up and he, the person explained it. This group no longer exists anymore, uh, but they they had like an internship. So finding a chaplain in my area to mentor or for me to shadow and everything. Okay. So found a chaplain in the Rockford area for North Park Fire Protection District. And I was actually an explorer for them first off in late middle school, early, early high school is when I, I went to North Park. And then got on or shadowed the chaplain there and then I got on the the fire department there as as one of their assistant chaplains. Okay, that's cool. Um so I'm from 
out of state, and I say that all the time, mm-hmm. but from being in the Illinois area, and Chicago's the biggest city in Illinois, how far, and give me a little bit of explanation of where Rockford is, um, the North Park, just the different areas you're talking about. Yeah. So Rockford is an uh, hour and a half northwest of Chicago. Okay. So it's the second, well, not the second largest. It's probably now the fourth or fifth largest city in the state. Okay. But it's the second... The city of Rockford has the second is the second largest and busiest fire department in the state. Okay, cool. Yeah. So then North Park, it's one of the the county fire departments. I guess you could Got it. say. Got it. Yeah. So it's just just a few miles north of Rockford. Okay. That sounds awesome. Sounds sounds great out there. I like exploring and seeing different places, and just seeing how people work and do things differently so oh yeah that and that's the beauty thing beautiful thing about the fire service is each department has their own way of doing things absolutely it's the chicago way it's the rockford way it's the north park way it's the blackhawk new milford way yeah and we go and we can have conversations with each other about everything and, and we can find that relationship right there. right we can we can always find something to talk about the thing that's cool to me like fire wise you talk to somebody from chicago or you talk to somebody from detroit and they might have a different word for the same thing yeah but you know what they're talking about at the same time so mm-hmm. that's always that's always awesome to me oh yeah so. absolutely now with your chaplaincy you you didn't just stop at fire. You do police also. Can you talk to me about that a little? Yeah. So I do a uh, police chaplaincy. So it's it's a diff- It's kind of a different ball game a little bit, but similar in, in nature. Police How so? uh, police officers that you really got to gain their their trust because they're, they're not going to open up to you. Yeah. Yeah. Unlike firemen, we might open up a little bit quicker. Mm-hmm. But that but the police that's. It, you really got to dig into them and build that relationship. Very, yeah. They're very, like, kind of closed off, non-trusting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, you know, comes with the job. Comes oh, yeah, with the absolutely. Territory. Um, I, I totally understand that. And it's like everyone's a suspect. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and they, they need a chaplain on, on, with them in the cars when when we're able to ride. Yeah. That, they, that's one thing I actually kind of enjoy doing is riding with the police. Mm-hmm. It You see a different part of life well you, you, you see explain the, it yeah yeah so police as firefighters we see the the good and bad police see the good and bad but as a police officer you're first on scene right generally before an ambulance or a fire truck gets there mm-hmm. you, you are first first in on everything yeah. generally so it, it and you, you truly get to see more of the dark side of society right and, and don't get me wrong, you get to see the beautiful side of, of life, but you see a lot of the dark side of humanity. Yeah. And, right, having to deal with that and hang out there is just traumatic within itself. Um, yeah. and, and with talking about the traumatic part, firefighters, you go, you go back to the firehouse and you can debrief it right there in the firehouse. Mm-hmm. As a cop, you're in your car by yourself, and you go to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. Mm-hmm. Unless, well, here, yeah, because some some have partners, some don't. Yeah, and yeah, you're right. It's just going to the next, to the next, to the next. It's just, and you don't have time to process constant that. build up of stuff. Yeah. yeah, and if you don't find a constructive way to do something with that, bad results can occur. Yeah, that's why I'm a big supporter of peer support, and and also reaching out for professional help it, through a counselor, just to be able to unpack your your traumas or. Your life stresses also is very helpful. Right. I, I 1,000% agree. That's something I advocate for. Honestly, I'm sure I've said it already on this show. That, that's kind of why I've started this whole movement. That's why I wrote it, wrote the book that I wrote. Um, that's why I started a podcast to talk about it and have tough, heavy conversations. Because I want to get to the reasons why and see if we can come up with solution other than the ultimate solution when people go that far. Yeah. So, but that's that's great of you. So, as far as chaplaincy go, I'm going to be 100% honest. I was mm-hmm. raised in a religious household, but in my adult life, I'm not very religious now. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say to someone like myself that isn't very religious when it comes to maybe talking to a chaplain? Mm-hmm. The, the cool thing about being a chaplain is 
And Father Mo Crone, he words it very beautifully, being able to be present. As a chaplain, I, I'm, if, you, if you're not as faithful or as, if you're not um, a religious person, that's perfectly fine with me. I don't mind that at all. But being a chaplain, I get the, to have the, the honor of being truly present with you. When you're going through the darkest of times in your life and when you're going through the happiest times of your life. So some of the darker th things, just as an example of maybe you have in your mind that you're wanting to commit suicide or you're just going through an addiction or, and then the brightest times is the birth of a kid. Right, right. And, or being in a wedding or things like that. Yeah. So I get to see both worlds in people, and that's the coolest thing is to be present. I don't have to say anything, just to be present. And having me, myself acknowledge that I'm holding the authority of God, mm -hmm. I don't have to say anything. I, I'm not going to push an agenda when I'm coming and talking to you. Mm -hmm. If you want to open up to me, I'm not going to push that agenda because that's wrong in my opinion. Okay. That, I, if, I, you wanna go spirit, if you want to go spiritual or more into faith, I, I'll jump into that. Mm -hmm. I have no issue with, with that. Mm -hmm. Th that's my job. But to be present, that's the ultimate blessing that I get to experience is be, being with you and even to validate that it's okay to not be okay today. Mm, right. That's why I say I love that. So you're just there to offer that, that ear. Yeah. That, just whatever that ear, you that need to talk about. The shoulder, if you need to cry on, whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's, a, that's, that's traumatic within itself. Uh, you know, a lot of times people bring their traumas to you um, after you've dealt with, with people you don't even know. And for me, I don't deal with that the best um, when, with people I don't know. I still care what happens to these people that I don't know. And mm -hmm. then you have to take and do something with that. And um, for, for you to be able to talk to people, that, that is an awesome thing. Yeah. And, you know, I, I mentioned it to you the last time I was talking with you, is that I, I learned this in the, when I was a hospital chaplain. In the hospital, if you, I, I use my wheelchair to my advantage. And so basically you see me struggling and you're struggling, mm -hmm. we're going to be able to make a connection just a little bit more easier. Yeah, yeah. So, right, I got this issue going on. You got an issue, what I may think is bigger, going on. So that kind of gives you a ground to talk to each other. Yeah. Something more in common that we can, we can come together on. Exactly. Well, I really appreciate the part where you said I'm not going to push anything on you because all too often um, religious people, the people that are like they, whatever they feel like, they just saying, yeah, you, you got to feel like this too. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I just... It, that just irks me. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I I agree with that part, and I appreciate you saying that because, like I said, that's that's something that some people I feel when it comes to who they're going to talk to, who they're going to confide in, mm -hmm. that's how they pick and choose. It's like when you want to talk to somebody and just get everything off your mind, the last thing you want is somebody judging you. Yeah. And, and when if you're going to come talk to me, if you're going to unpack some things with me, mm -hmm. I'm going to end my suspend my uh, judgment on you. Okay. You, you you must suspend the judgment. We all have judgments on each other. Right. Right. Everybody. Yeah. Yeah. But you have you must suspend it for that that time because you're going to unpack some raw and fresh stuff possibly. Now, as far as becoming a chaplain, uh -huh. and I know you said you're like the assistant. You did a little bit of training. Mm -hmm. How did you get to the point where you're so? emotionally available and able to process all this stuff within yourself and for other people? Oh, <laughs> you know, that's a good question. I haven't really actually thought about much about that, but being, for me to be emotionally there with you, I have to be able to unpack, share. It's kind of dumping it on somebody else. Mm -hmm. So you're going to dump it on me. I'm going to dump uh, my things on to somebody else. Yeah. So I, I have... I have a counselor. I, I have other friends that I, I can tr that I truly trust that are not going to say anything to somebody else. Right. So, and and uh, talking to other people, they say every time you get something, you just got to scrape a little bit off on the, somebody else. Yep. Exactly. That's like for me. People always are talking about and looking for the meaning of life, and just for me, the meaning of life is to be there for somebody else. I mean, of course, you got to be there for yourself and be happy. But oh yeah. For me. Meaning is to make 
everybody and everything around you better. But that's the part of being present. <laughs> that's the part of being present. That's just me. That's just yeah. That's, oh yeah. yeah. That's how I feel. So that's like I said, I don't want to push that off on anybody else. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but that's that's just that's how I feel. So I was talking to you about stu- studying and becoming a chaplain. So where exactly are you the chaplain for? I don't did did we go over that? The department of time I'm a chaplain for? Yes. Okay. So I'm a chaplain for the city of Rockford, police and fire, mm-hmm. and then two of the volunteer part-time uh, paid-on-call, paid however you want to look at it, Okay. for Blackhawk and New Milford. New Milford has a full-time ambulance during the daytime, and then Blackhawk, it's, uh, we're, we're, soon, we're in the process, I guess, of combining those two departments. Okay. So it, and it, in my eyes, it makes sense to do that. Mm-hmm. So the the ambulance is full time during the day. So they have a full time ambulance in New Milford during the daytime, and then at nighttime, Blackhawks ambulance will take over the nighttime calls and run. Understandable. Yep. That's that's something that uh, a lot of career guys fail to remember or know. It, you know, you go to different places in our country. They they just run like we were talking about. They run stuff different. Yeah. I remember when I first was coming up, I worked for a fire department. We closed at eleven o'clock, and we're like, "How you gonna close at eleven o'clock?" Wait, close? Uh, just be done with calls? Yes. Oh, um, oh. we hmm. would we would go from eight to eleven, and then we got to extend it to seven to midnight. And now they're twenty four hours, so it just kind of takes steps to go in the proper direction. Mm-hmm. But when they did close. Another suburb would take over the runs okay, I, for I that um, smaller village. I got you. So yes, they would be closed. But when somebody called nine one one at a different time of night, it would just be redirected to another okay. department. I was like, "How are you going? How be, are you are closed?" closed? Yeah. <laughs> but that's what I'm I, saying. I thought the fire service was twenty four seven, seven days a week, three hundred sixty five days a year. It is, and it's led by career and volunteer people all over this country and you know they get it done yep. and, and that all goes with training it speaks to training and yeah you just have to be there and be present for it so you can know what to do in situations you know it's the not high risk reward but low low frequency high frequency um high call low call stuff like that mm-hmm. train 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 the way you're gonna play yep there you go i love that so you were talking about being a chaplain, a fire and police chaplain for out there in the different areas. Mm-hmm. How, what kind of training goes into that other than just the following? Mm-hmm. So for some departments, to be like the full chaplain, you have to be uh, ordained as a, as a minister, mm-hmm. which I have my own opinions on that, which I, I'll keep that to myself. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, uh, do uh, I I highly recommend clinical pastoral education. Mm-hmm. That's where you can really hound your chaplain skills and everything, and then most importantly, have a want to be there. Oh well, yeah, that's number one. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> have a want to be there. Yeah, because if you're not really wanting to be there, then you're you're in it for the t-shirt. And, yeah, and that that just that drives me nutty. Yes, that you, is not. What's if up. you're in it for the t-shirt, get out. Go just home. Go yes. home. Go home. Go somewhere else. Home. Yeah. Yeah. But then they'll fi- they'll figure out you're just in for the t-shirt. Just heads up, people. Okay. <laughs> now, as far as the calls go, um, mm-hmm. when when are you called in, or when are you when when do they need you? Yeah. So when I was able or able body when I was walking at the time, I no longer go on the calls because just wheelchair and being able to access people's houses is a pain in the butt at times. Mm-hmm. So I'm behind the scenes now. But when I was able bodied, I would go on. Overdoses, any codes where people are doing CPR mm-hmm. on people, uh, any deaths, and for the city, it it when I was on call for uh, forty eight hours, it was um, you're on every single death regardless of the nature of it. Okay, and, and to be present with the family, the first responders that are there, and occasionally some of those calls ended up going into a death notification. Having to notify a family of uh, their loved one is not coming home. Okay. How, did did you ever have to deal with that? One too many. I I, I tell people I, I got pretty good at doing those, and it's scary that I say that I got pretty good at doing them. Yeah, I was gonna say that it is kind of scary that you yeah. say you got good at doing something that's that people dread. I 
I it, oh, it's terrible having to tell somebody that their loved one has passed. That's the hardest thing in the world. I tell people that I, I've done the hardest thing in the world is to tell somebody that their loved one is dead. Yeah, I I've had to do that multiple times as well. To more than I would like to count. And I didn't have I didn't have chaplaincy training. Yeah. <laughs> so and kind of the it here's the dark humor part of it. So with doing the death notification, the you're with a police officer. So sometimes they're doing it. Uh-huh. As soon as the chaplain comes on, whoo, you can do it. Here you go. Yep. Yeah. They, they don't want to do it. They kind of hand it over. Yeah, yeah. They hand it over and they're like, how in the world do you do that? Yeah. Yeah. Somebody has to. Somebody, and right. That's the thing. Because like you just take the empathy and what I try and do in those situations is just think how I would want someone to talk or tell me. Yeah. And in the end, that's how I try and do all the calls I go on with people that are in, in bad shape or hurt. Like, what do you need me? What, what would I want done? How would, how yeah, would I exactly. need to be helped? So, mm-hmm. And I, I was young at the time when I did my first death notification. I was 22. Oh, okay. Yeah, that is pretty young to <laughs> yeah. start doing death notifications. Okay. Um, so little baby bit lighter. Yep. Um, how did you start riding with the city of Chicago? Oh yeah. So here's the fun stuff. Um, so I got, uh, one of my friends on the job, he's, uh, Justin Crimes. Uh huh. And he was, he's a photographer. I'm a photographer. So he was coming through Rockford one time. So we, we met up and, and everything. And he, he saw that I was, Trying to become a firefighter, or not a firefighter, a chaplain. Okay. So he's like, have you ever heard of the na- name Father Mocrone? I was like, no. You got, I'm going to get you hooked up with him. Okay. So he gave me his contact. I, I ended up reaching out to Father Mocrone and asked him, hey, can I come shadow you for a day? He's like, absolutely. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah, so he, he took me to uh, 95, Engine 95 on the west side. Yep. And they invited me back to do uh, ride-alongs. My old battalion. Yeah. I'm wearing their shirt. You're wearing their shirt? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> West side, best side. Okay. So um, what happened? T- give, me some, give me some 95 stories. Yeah. So it was probably a – I'm a white cloud. So, it, of course, they loved having me around because it was just nice and quiet and everything. Yeah. That's usually how it goes. When certain people come around, it's either all or nothing, and we prefer the nothing. Yeah, <laughs> which I don't mind doing the nothing also, but it's right. like the history – the of the West Side seeing the fires and everything. It's like, all right. Time how to get, time how to did I miss that? Yeah, how did I miss that? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so it was when the fires was, my first fire was probably like a year later. Okay. So I went a whole year off and on. Hanging out. Hanging out and not catching a doggone thing. Not doing it, not getting anything. Yeah. Yeah, they loved you. Oh, yeah, they, they loved <laughs> Come me. back more. Yeah. <laughs> So I'll, I'll tell about this fire, and then I got I got put this one out there. So okay. the, the uh, first fire was uh, three twelve North Central. Oh yeah, yeah that that fire, and that was we hadn't had I don't think we had any calls during the day, maybe a few here and there. Mm-hmm. And I just sit down in the recliner, and the the clucker goes off, mm-hmm. and out the door the chief and I go. Okay, and he's like April Fools because it was like March thirty thirtieth, I think. The, uh-huh. I think there's 30 days in March, I think. Um, January, February, March, April. Hold on, I already skipped it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was either 30, 30th or 31st. No, it's, thir- it's 31 in March. 31, okay, yeah. So we get going and Engine 96 gets on scene. 96, give me a box. And Timothy and I, were, we're hauling even more. He's like, April Fool's, there we go. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, rem- I wasn't at that fire, but I remember because it was on the second shift and um, – I remember when we came back and we did the walkthrough and saw everything that happened in three two of North Central. That's a that's a big building. That's a, yeah. That's a, that's a nice size apartment building. Mm-hmm. Um, used to go there multiple times mm-hmm. a day. Um, just for, not just for fires. A lot of EMS runs in that building as well. Mm-hmm. So keep keep telling us keep keep telling us more about that. Yeah. So we had that fire. That was my first I think extra alarm because like, he went to a, a box right away. Which that's in my opinion that's. You gotta know your stills. You gotta know your your city. Like, yep. You you gotta upgrade as soon as you can. Yep. And here in Chicago, those apartments are closer. Buildings are closer to each other. So you, right. You gotta exposures and everything else. Yep. You gotta keep, a lot more to worry about. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. So now let's backtrack to the first time I rode. Okay. So walking in the morning and she's like, "Whatever you do, 
don't let me beat you to the buggy. Okay. <laughs> I was like, all right, challenge accepted. Okay. <laughs> so Timothy told me that, challenge accepted. So now uh, we get a call during the middle of the night. It's a cold box, I think it was. Mm -hmm. And who beats him to the buggy? You, this guy. <laughs> this guy. That guy. <laughs> yeah. And that was the laughing stock of the whole shift. Were you walking in? Or were yeah, you... I was walking okay. in. Okay. Um, I know you would talk about the progression. You, what, what were the canes that you used? Uh, loft strand. Loft the, strand, okay. As I'd say it, the polio crutches. Okay. Yeah. So I, I wasn't there. I was actually using a hiking pole. Okay. Yeah, so hiking pole and then the, the loft strand. But you still beat him. I still beat him. That's what's up. He says the AC was up and he didn't hear the, uh, the tone go off or anything. Excuses, excuses. Excuses, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, was, I still get the bragging rights. I still... Joke him or joke around with him. Yeah, tell him about how you beat him. Yeah. yeah, I thought I misheard the the initial dispatch, so I'm sitting in the buggy uh -huh. waiting for him to come out. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the guys, the guys on watch had to go wake him up. Oh yeah, they, oh yeah. So he really had you really beat him then. Yeah. Okay, that's what's up. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, he was um like I said, he was on a different shift, but he was there for as long as I was there, and um. He was he was a great chief. The times I worked on that shift or on trade or anything. Yeah, I, I got another fire story from him. I'm with it. <laughs> Come on. So we we get a fire on uh, North Pulaski. I forget the the uh, the block the street number, but uh, 68 was in first. It was a oh, good it must have been up north for a little while. Yeah. Okay. It was a good rolling fire. I mean, this one was rocking and rolling. Uh huh. So at, we get back to the firehouse after the fire and the. The guys were like, hey, chief, what do you think about those dogs that were in the in the way? And so Timothy's all oh, like, ah, screw those dogs and everything. Uh -huh. just, just he was irritated with them. You, you uh -huh. could tell. Uh -huh. And then the the new guy, he <laughs> he used to be a veterinarian. So the the guys that were like, Chief, he used to be a vet and and all you hear from Chief is like, Oh <laughs> <laughs> just because he was talking bad about the dogs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Guilt trip. <laughs> yeah. We yeah. And you know what's so funny about dogs and fire? It's like the most vicious dog in a fire when it's catching some smoke will be your best friend. Oh yeah. Best friend dog. Dog will come up to you, <laughs> lick you, jump in your arms, please save me. Soon as it get outside, it just turn back tough again oh. and start barking at you and biting you. We had one um one firefighter in the same battalion. He was leading out. He's going into a room. Mm -hmm. Dog bit his arm. Oh. And the guys behind him pushed him like, "Hey, go." He's like, "I can't." He was like, why? Dog biting me. So uh. take that arm out, try and go with the other dog, bite that arm too. Oh, jeez. So, oh, yeah, dog. Dog just did him dirty, so. <laughs> <laughs> Darn dogs. Yeah, but like I said, they in, in the fire, they the meanest, vicious dog is a cat. And <laughs> you get it outside, it's time to be back tough again and bite your face off. So mm -hmm. Dogs are fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't have nothing bad to say about dogs. Oh no. So I love dogs. You like roll with ninety five, but like the thing I see from you, you're like everywhere now in Chicago. You ride yeah. in so many different places and just go fan and hang out in so many different places. Tell me about some of your other favorite firehouses that you get to hang out at. Yeah, some of my other favorite ones are Engine One Twenty Three, Tower Thirty Nine, the Sixth and. Ambulance 8, I think it is. Uh -huh. there, yeah, Ambulance 8. So down in the northern or west Inglewood. Okay. So the, the Inglewood neighborhood, that's that's a fun neighborhood to go hang out, hang out with the guys. Every firehouse I've gone to, they open up the, the doors, open arms. Yeah. Open the firehouse, open arms. Yeah. It's it's, it's nowhere you can go that's going to be bad. No. It's, 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 there's no firehouse that you can go that's going to be a, a not a good place to go it might be in a rough neighborhood but the firehouse itself is even even just, still yeah even still yeah yeah and caught a few good caught a really good fire uh 59th and carpenter okay yeah so that, that that's a memorable fire okay chief basil and i were uh doing rounds at 116 and 116 they had a they just gotten back from a medical call and they drove by the where the fire was mm -hmm. nothing ten, within 10 minutes that that house was the building was going. Yeah. So they were going out on a medical call. The alarm office holds them up and says, "Take a still, 59th and Carpenter." Mm -hmm. So we we get going and there you go. And there you go, rolling when you pulled up. Yep. That's that's like I said. Those those are what you. It sucks for the persons whose stuff it is, but yeah, you know, for us to get that get those opportunities is what we 
kind of thrive on. Yeah, and what you train to do. Right, is what what we train to do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, those are great that you got to go go on being those fires. And even though you know that's what you wanted to do, and then you had the medical condition pop up, mm-hmm. you still have such a bright and positive outlook on life, and that's what I really appreciate, and that's what I really want to push and promote to people mm-hmm. now speaking of promotion um you're doing you have a podcast of your own that you and another chaplain just started yeah absolutely oh i, I want to backtrack r- real quick nope. so with having the muscular dystrophy and having that dream taken away from me uh-huh i still get to live that dream yeah in, in a different capacity but i still get to live my dream yep and that's part that i love Hey, I, I love that you love it's it. It's how you play your your deck of cards. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. There you go. So tell us about your show. Yeah. So uh, through the quarantine, COVID-19 has been a blessing in disguise for me. Mm-hmm. And got involved with this group that's called FD Chaplains, uh, Chaplain Service Inc. Okay. Yeah. FD Chaplain Services Inc. And... Every Thursday night, we have a National Fire Department Chaplain Zoom meeting mm-hmm. at, at 6 o'clock Central Time. And chaplains from all over the country, it's just a big support group. So mm-hmm. it's peer support for chaplains. So that's basically. like one of those times where you can scrape a little bit of the stuff off. Yep, you can do that. We learn from each other, uh-huh. support each other. So that, And then we've had different guests. We had Father Mocrone okay. on the on the. The call. Mm-hmm. Then we had uh, Leah Swininski. She was a medic on the south side. Okay. We, we had her on there. And a few other people. Jeff Dill from Firefighter Health Alliance. Okay. And Tom Howard from the Illinois Firefighter Peer Support. Okay. So those are all great, outstanding people to have and great people to talk to. Yeah. Um, any words of advice they gave you that you can share with us? The one from Mo Crone is that be present. Be present. Embrace that. And one from Jeff Dill, going back to another darker topic again with the, the suicides. This, 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 is, this is my biggest push. Yeah. Is the peer support, the reaching out for help, acknowledging that we need help. Right. And that it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to reach out because you're, human, you're humans doing a very superhuman job. Right. right. And, it's, and we are susceptible to our emotions. And I'm writing about this in school and on first responder suicide. It's a very real thing. Mm-hmm. And these numbers, they are large, they are scary, and they need to be exposed. I, one, I agree 100,000 infinity percent. <laughs> that's not even a thing. But, yes. It I, is now. <laughs> and and that's, that's, like I said, this is, that's why I started this. So let me ask you a question, yeah. kind of a personalist question. Mm-hmm. When someone finally gets the courage to say something to someone and mm-hmm. say, hey, I'm feeling bad, I'm feeling messed up, help me out, what's the best advice you can give for the person that's getting the news? Not the person talking, but the person who's getting the information. Mm-hmm. Suspend the judgment that you have on them. Okay. Sus- you must suspend it because they are gonna, this person's going to unpack some raw and fresh stuff. And you need to be present and take time to listen. Be present and listen. You might, you don't, you don't even have to say a thing. Mm-hmm. Just listen. Mm-hmm. Give, give them your undivided attention because they're going to unpack some raw things. Because mm-hmm. that, that's them dealing with their deepest times right now. That's, so listening is the biggest key in being present. That's that's great, great advice. Just listen. Just mm-hmm. uh, I think too often. Um, people try to come up with a solution yep. for someone else's issue. Yep. Listen and realize you can't fix them. Right. Just listen. That will do millions for that person. Right. So just chill out. Don't say nothing. Just kind of. Mm-hmm. Maybe toss in a few wise advice here, here and there, possibly. It depends on the situation, mm-hmm. like everything, but mainly listen. Because, like, to me, like I said, that's the biggest issue. People always say, oh, I wish they would have called. I wish they would have called. They might have called. And in your not not listening and just quick to respond, mm-hmm. you, you may not even heard their cry for help. So yeah, that's, that's, that's the part that 
I, you know, if somebody takes the time to call and say, hey, I'm feeling messed up, try and do your best to take that time to listen. And, yep, exactly. And get to them. So that's that's all great. So let's let's kind of wrap up with something lighter. You asked oh, me a do, do you want me to talk the, about the podcast? That I, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, my mistake. <laughs> I, I'd ask you about that. Good, yeah, go. Oh, no worries. Uh, so my... Through the quarantine, one of the other chaplains on the on the Zoom call, he's from the state of Maine. Mm-hmm. So he, he and I, we took time and prayed about it, and we're, we've created a Facebook uh, podcast, and we try to push out a new episode every week. Mm-hmm. So it's called Faith and First Responders okay. Podcast. The, the word first, it's the number one S-T. Okay, so F-A-I-T-H, A-N-D, number one S-T. Responders or the first uh, faith, yeah, faith and first responders. Yep. Okay, got it. Podcast. Just trying to make sure we got it. Um, once I start writing show notes and stuff, I'll make sure I add that in there. Yeah, and thank you for bringing me back to that. I'm still trying to get reps up. This is this is new. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm you know admitting my mistakes, trying to get the ums out. Cause hey, it's all right. Um. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, um. That's a joke. Um. So. I was saying I wanted to, like, you asked me a question, kind of go over something a little positive. Well, not positive, but a little fun. Yeah. You asked me just out of the blue, what's your favorite firehouse? If you had to be there forever, what firehouse would it be? There you and go. I'm stuck. So <laughs> I, I, I st- I've been thinking about this question, and I have a very diplomatic answer, I think. Oh. But I'm going to turn it on you. What, what, what's the place that you liked hanging out the most? Of course you would touch that. My way. I mean, it's not going. It's not going to hurt you, me. I'm. I'm working here. <laughs> hey, the, the ones that I hang out with, they're going to hate me now. <laughs> nah, they won't hate me. Yeah, they won't. They won't. Probably no. not. They'll just uh, jag me a little bit. Yes, that's what they'll do. That's what we do. Hey, that's all right. You know, honestly, it would be. We're my roots with with Father Mokron, ninety five, ninety five on the west side. Yeah. I'm with that. I, I can I can see that. that I can that's where my first ride along with with the city of Chicago is like. That's home for me. Yep. Nice, nice, flat, long, big house. And it's handicapped accessible. I love That's it. That's what I'm saying. It's I flat. Love it. I love it. <laughs> you don't have to worry about stairs or anything. The house that I was at, we had the highest poles in the city. Uh-huh. And, you know, we just used to hang out on those. So You know, those darn stairs, they're always leaning up to something. I just don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> And that's the other thing I um, appreciate about you. When I first called you and first talked to you, you even gave me a wheelchair joke off top. You know? Uh, since talking with you last, I, I can't stand wheelchair jokes anymore. I got a friend in a wheelchair. He can't stand them. <laughs> <laughs> See, there you go. You, you, you hit us with it. And I was going to ask you to tell it you, you right on cue, right on time. And that's, that's my way of coping with the disease also. Hey, it, and it seems to work because, like I said, you have such a positive, upbeat attitude. It's just a pleasure talking to you and listening to you, especially from somebody so young and was dealt that hand early on in life and for you mm-hmm. to deal with it so positively is truly an inspiration, I feel like, um, not just for me, but for others. And that's definitely part of the reason why I wanted to, um, I appreciate you coming on the show and talking to us and giving us your story. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there, there's a, po- a powerful quote from Dave Parnell. He's a retired Detroit firefighter, uh, FEO. And he says, what is a man's worth that doesn't make this world a better place? Like that, that speaks millions to me. Right. That's awesome. I, I, I love that, too. What is a man's worth that doesn't make the world a better place? Right. There you go. Um, let me answer that question about the firehouse. Oh, there you go. Because I'm not dodging it. <laughs> the best firehouse, I can't answer it because I haven't worked in every one of them uh-huh. So I have to work at every one of them. Oh, okay. And then I can answer it. So once I get there. I used to keep track of, I still do keep track of every company I've been on. Mm-hmm. And I like had it written down because, you know, we get details, trades and everything mm-hmm. else. And that's kind of what I want. That's what I encourage people to do, to get a chance to work different places, kind of see what's up, what's, what's going on. Um, mm-hmm. Where I'm at now, I like it a lot. Where I was, Downtown, baby. Where I was at before, I liked it a lot as well. West Side, mm-hmm. yeah, West Side. It was it was it was an experience and a half. And then I just I, I love those two story 
uh, firehouses. I love them. Yeah, they 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 got fun. tons of character in them. Oh man, you said it. They have tons of character in them, right? Man, if I could hear those walls talk, oh, I you can keep me there. I, I'll live there. <laughs> You'll stay there. just to hear the stories those walls could talk about. Yeah, they, it's, it's a, a lot of stuff that that went on and goes on. Some of the stories, even hearing about, I like can't believe that those situations happen. But yeah, and how they got away with them too. <laughs> and, and right, so. One day I'll get a old timer to come on and give me some of those good, good, good old stories. So there you go. I, I'll chase them down. But Dan, um, before we get out of here all the way together, and you said a bunch of positive stuff, but I got to ask you for one more positive thing, just about life in general, where we're at right now, mm-hmm. the climate of the country, the world, everything. Just give us some of your positive advice that you have. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've I've been so confused and lost. And that's coming from a chaplain. Uh Uh-huh. Like, that, it's, show some love to people, man. Don't hate. This hate that's going on, it's driving me nuts. And it's it's unfair. The hate, the amount of hate from both sides, it is unfair. Mm -hmm. In, In my, in my, from my, viewpoint it's unfair and it and just be present and love your neighbor okay i like that be present and love your neighbor i'm gonna let you end with that i'm not even gonna add anything on top of it i'm just gonna thank you for coming in we had a little mini hiccups on the way getting in here but no worries we worked it all out we ironed it all out we got the chance to put the episode down i appreciate your time your effort and appreciate you talking to people and pushing the service of first responders in a positive direction because that's what we need yep so with all that being said we will talk to you guys another time And thank you very much for listening to another episode of Department 3C Presents, a podcast. Bye. This has been a Fire and Iron Media production. You have something to say, people want to listen. How's that, Daddy?